Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And rejoining me this week, it's Cass Page and Matt Stewart. Hello. A couple of classic guests. Did you you ever consider calling it Look at a Book Podcast? (laughs) Book Look. Book Look. Book Look's pretty good. Book Look. Where were you when I was brainstorming (laughs) ideas? And it could have been like a cartoon chicken and a speech bubble saying, book, look. <laughs> Would you consider changing it? I think I don't think it's too late. What's this episode, 30 or something? I mean, yeah. 30 pilot episodes. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> and then I'll go back and I'll change the title. Hello and welcome to Book Look. Uh, my name is Dave Warnicky. That wouldn't be weird, would it? No, no you can say, welcome weird. to Book Look, I'm the book chook. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think it would now be weird if you didn't do it. Oh, no. You can, uh, it's a bit you of can, work, but definitely I've got a lot it. of editing to do now. Retcon it all. Um, you just got to record the word look once and just get it in there. That's right. I just got to get my copying and pasting ready look. to go. <laughs> That'd be an algorithm. Hi, my name's Dave Warnicky and welcome to Book Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I already say book. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. You don't say I'm the book chook, though. Not yet. So you're going to have yeah. to record that, too. <sighs> Maybe I could. Can I still, even if I don't do this, still call myself the book chook? Yeah. Oh, Does yeah, it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Book Cheat. My name is Dave Warnicky and I am your book chook. <laughs> and on each episode of this show, we look at one of those peckin' little classics. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah, like yeah, that. That's good. <laughs> 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 Becomes like an American breakfast radio show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got a, a soundboard. A lot in front of sound of effects going on. <laughs> Let's hear what the rooster thought about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you eventually get asked to do like radio in the morning or something, and they're like, oh, "Okay, so you're familiar with the sample?" You're like, "A what? <laughs> uh, you what? guys weren't making the noises with your mouth." Yeah, I am the human sample. <laughs> we actually have a joke on an ongoing thing now on Do Go On, our other show, Matt, where you are the uh, man of a thousand noises. Yes. What's your favorite noise? Oh, That's a good question because there's a thousand. Yeah, I. Do you have a top ten. I looked. I don't know if I've been keeping a log or anything. Um, I can't remember any of them. To be honest, you do a lot of uh, good machine gun work. Oh yeah, machine guns. Oh. Probably a, a, maybe about thirty percent of the thousand are different kinds of machine guns. <laughs> yeah. May I get one? Um, uh, oh, thank you, you so much. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a pretty low tech one, but you know, still creates absolute havoc. <laughs> <laughs> one bullet at a time. Yeah, yeah. People do die from that. <laughs> well, that was a double. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's good because it's almost encouraging the the listener to laugh with you. Yeah, yeah, as they die, <laughs> as I mow them down. <laughs> really warming up over there. That's really good. I told you, he's I the man. That's what I mean. That is just one of a thousand <laughs> separate yeah. noises. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Why not? You look impressed, and you should. <laughs> I don't know how anyone gets any work done. <laughs> no, we don't. Get, get mowed down oh, and you yeah. stay there. Yeah. 
Hey, Dave, I've been listening to some old episodes of Book Chief, and I okay. know that you often ask people what they've been reading. And, <laughs> Thank you for taking over. I appreciate this. <laughs> and uh, this. I haven't been reading, but because I'm a modern man, I, I listen to books. And um, I was listening to a, one of your older episodes, maybe the one with Xavier and Sonia might have been. Oh, yes. And you plugged in that, you plugged the audio book Classic Scrapes. Oh, James, James Acaster. Acaster. Yes, so very I've been listening funny. to that this week. It's very... Very nice and very nice nighttime listen. Yeah, so because it's read by James A. Castor, the author is a very, very funny and accomplished English comedian that we both like a lot. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Cast, but he's very, very funny. He's very funny. I've, in, I've interviewed things. him, so I'm actually. Did you know that, Dave? I've seen. I've recently. The, I don't know. I, uh, I I thought I've got to watch this soon, but I didn't at the time. Didn't have time. I must admit. But I, I saw, wouldn't have recommend watching it. I saw. But I the, just think you should know that it happened. Oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> I saw the recommended. If it came as a recommended video on YouTube, it was you and. James Acaster, who's, to be honest, a comedy hero. Yeah, well, I, and I I was thrown into that. Someone had a family emergency, was meant to be doing all these interviews, so I got the call up very late, no research. I knew his name at the time, and I knew friends were big fans of his, but I, you know, I'd seen maybe bits and pieces. Yeah, sure, sure, but, like, because he's since exploded with, but like, it, Netflix specials yeah, and things like but that. He, yeah, but he was so cool to chat to. There were technical difficulties. We, and we chatted for ages. We were talking about... Uh, Billy Bragg and stuff, but I don't think most of that made the The camera the wasn't on. <laughs> no, yeah, the camera wasn't rolling, but yeah, I really enjoyed uh, that chat. It was a cool day. I talked to a lot of um, cool comics that day. Anyway, what are we talking about? We're again? talking about classic scrapes, so that's great yeah. that you've been reading or yes. listening to James A. Castor read that fantastic book. And it was your recommendation. You're very good at selling stuff. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that that yeah, finally I'm... came across. <laughs> When, yeah, the way you told him, I'm like, I should listen to that yeah, book. It's very funny. And, yeah, in his voice, too. He's just got a great yeah, great delivery of his own material. Great sort of gentle and humorous stories from yeah. throughout his life. I love <laughs> so it. So funny. How do so many strange things happen to one man? Yeah. At the moment, I'm halfway. He, he's just crashed his car and it's just – and he – he went, oh, no. He just, he got his license seven days earlier and he's driving his mum and dad's car and he crashed it in a full-on way. Like it's wheels are banging on the ground. Like he's sort of almost flipping it. Oh. And that's a, that's where I got up to. That's where I stopped listening last night. How's he going to get out of that classic spray? I know. He's, it's a real cliffhanger. I can't wait to find out. The thing is he doesn't really get out of them. They all sort of go get slightly worse and worse. <laughs> anyway, I moved on after that. That's real fun. So much fun. Big fan of that. Well, speaking of cliffhangers, we left off a big cliffhanger last week when we were talking about A Tale of Two Cities. Book did. the first and book the second. Yes. And we have out of three books from memory. Yes, that's right. We have a, oh, book, the, a book the third to go. Because <laughs> we should, for the listeners, it's actually been a full four years since we re- recorded that episode. So I know they only heard the first one a couple of weeks ago. But for Cass and I, you know, I, I've been thinking about this book in years no we weren't allowed to it was in our contract for yeah. the episode we, we promised <laughs> yeah. we would remain contract fresh everyone. for book cheap yeah sorry book <laughs> book look. i am the book chuck <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i have very little memory would that i mean sorry i listeners might not remember that well so do you want to refresh their <laughs> memories yes well i i love this because i think this is only the second time now i've done a, a two-parter Maybe the third, and every time I get to say, previously on A Tale of Two Cities. That's the third one you've done. Is that? What yeah, the, you did. Mothering Heights, and what was the other one? And you did the one, or Lolita one. Oh, I did Lolita, Lolita as well, yeah. <laughs> Do you know the one about Lolita? <laughs> I, I think forget it what it's called. The Lolita one. The Lolita one. I think you should retitle it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retitling everything at this stage. 
Uh, Cass, we should also ask you, have you, have you been reading anything over the last couple of weeks? Um, I recently bought a very wordy jacket. and um, <laughs> Which I, you've worn into the studio and we love it. I have worn into the studio. Um, there are words on the sleeves and all across the back and I've read the entire thing. Have you, so you did read the entire... <laughs> front to back. Did you read the entire... Because we can't stress enough how much text there is on this jacket. Did you read it all? Just to make sure that there wasn't anything you didn't agree with hidden in there somewhere. And you were associated with it. There's a Spanish passage over there. Yeah, so I did read all of it. Now, the Spanish passage I rather skimmed and instead got Google Translate to translate okay. it for me, and then I read the translation. Okay. And Great, what, and nothing, what, you know. Nothing. Um, nothing dodgy in there. It's certainly. Uh, I think it. I think it maybe is trying to be a bit edgy. Oh, right. okay, here we go. Let's see if I've in. got the translation here with Classic me now. Classic Spaniola. Yeah, they like to okay. push it. Those guys. Although you were very small and in its class, to existed in the universe for just a short time, you are part of something very large, one very beautiful. Mm, thank you. Picture of an alien. Picture of a meteor. <laughs> in oh. Spanish. Spanish pictures. Wow. Wow, <laughs> Picasso. Yeah. That's that's something. I think it's nice. So what does Hermosa mean? Because that's a beach in California. Her- that means what? Your- what did it finish with? Hermosa. So the last word, beautiful. Okay. Beautiful, well, beautiful beach. That, that makes checks sense. out. That does check out a yeah. lot. <laughs> I just opened my phone to check that, and as I did, um, I've just been recognised as one of Primate's top fans on Facebook. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bad time. <laughs> Which is, of course, Matt's fantastic podcast that we're all fans of, but. Yeah. If we have to be competitive, Cass is, of course, a top fan. Yeah. Zucks just asked me if I want to claim my badge. So. Well, I mean, is that really a question? I'll claim it, Zuck. Thanks. Yes, please. Thank you, Zuck. There's room on your uh, jacket to put a badge that says Primate Top Fan? I reckon. There's, there's a shamefully lack of text on the front yeah, of right. the, the jacket. Yeah, that's right. The sleeves in the back. Oh. Yep, covered in text. It's ready all to go. Yep. Top, yeah, you could be all sorts of top fan. I got my first top fan Badge possibility this week. I haven't claimed it yet. Okay, okay. Before? Cold chisel. Oh, my yeah. God. That's a, that's a big that's one. That's a big one. It's quite an honour. What Do you comment on their page a lot or what do you... I'm not sure. I think I just like everything they post because they post a lot of likeable stuff. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's it's, uh, it's it's hardly any work being a yeah. fan. You, you just get to enjoy. Exactly. Oh, I feel so sad and... Not a fan of anything right now. I mean, you you're a top fan of pies. Yeah. They just yes. If if there was one central pie page, <laughs> yeah, posting about the that. bureau of pies. Oh my god! I should start you should it. Set Sign it up. up to the bop. But then yeah. I could be the top fan of my own page. The bop. The bureau of pies. Yeah. Holy shit! Whoa! 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 The bop. I like it a lot. The bop. Do the bop. You know what you're gonna do? Set up an admin account for the bop. Post everything, and then use your personal account to like it all, and then oh, but you're top, top fan. fan of bop. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You can become a top fan of the things you like. It would be absolutely shattering if you made the bop, liked everything, and you still weren't the top fan, and it was revealed to you that even you, the content creator of the pop, of the bop, to give the pies to the people, didn't love pies as much as those receiving the news. Maybe the content, maybe the content creators are doomed from the get go. Mm. Get someone else to start the bop is what I'm saying. Okay, I'm just gonna start like liking every post the Rolling Stones or something. Do maybe I can just yeah. get that. That's pretty cool. That's I mean, they're okay. They're okay. They're all excited. They're okay. They're all right. Yeah. Listening to some of them today. They're still good? Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. They're okay. I do feel like, and I know this is controversial, but I just feel like, you know, where the, they're always compared to the Beatles and it divides people what, what's better. It just feels like the Beatles' sound is so much better produced. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know over time. It just seems... Mm. It just... it's. 
I'm with they've you. got a real messy sound, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's part of the joy of them. But yeah, so their '60s stuff is, you know, it feels like the <laughs> sounds like they're in different rooms. You know, <laughs> sounds like they're on different planets. <laughs> there's, there's no cohesion. <laughs> yeah, get together, guys. <laughs> Oh, uh, well. All right. So, A Tale of Two Cities, which we talked about last week, which is the Charles Dickens classic. This is part two. I strongly recommend that you go back and listen to part one if you haven't already, because this will make a lot more sense. I'm going to give you a brief summary just to get everyone back up to speed in case yes. it has been two weeks or four years, however long it's been since you heard part one. <laughs> Time does fly. But, um, yes, yeah, so I have a little uh, little summary here, a little one-page one summary. Ooh, maybe a wintry. Pardon me? Nothing. Oh, I'm oh, being silly. She I'm said being winter silly. instead of summary day. Keep uh, up, Chook. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the Chook was scrolling. The Chook was scrolling. The Chook cannot double task. Double task? I like this new thing with the Chook the doing chook. first person. The Chook is not happy. <laughs> Third person. <laughs> I knew you weird out if people were first person. Oh, could I please have? Oh, could could I please have? That's a weird way to say it. How about could Matt please have a cookie? Did you hear everyone going crazy about people having different kinds of thought processes, whether it's internal monologues yeah. or no internal monologues? Blew my mind. Yeah, you internal monologue? Cannot shut that thing off. I'm talking, talking, talking. Yeah, well, yeah. I was in the supermarket today, and I had a thought where I was like, ah, oh. it's just like, oh. I wonder what I'm doing. And then I thought, yeah, same. <laughs> and, like people with no internal monologues don't talk to themselves all the time. That's that's an internal dialogue what you've got. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you have an internal monologue? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been going nonstop since yeah. we got in here today. But that's what I wanted Can to... Can you believe what Dave is wearing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said that's that real loud. sassy. <laughs> got a very sassy monologue. But that's what I wanted to ask. Is it single first person or third person for you guys? Oh, I think it's first person. Th- yeah, oh, it's just like I'm talking to you now, but I talk to myself. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it wouldn't be. <gasps> no, I think I'm trying to ask if it's a dialogue or a monologue. I got confused. Uh, is yours a dialogue or a monologue? <laughs> uh, oh, I think it. Wait, with myself? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking to myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, it's confusing, I think I'm talking right? to myself. Yeah, but I'm not sure what that means. Because you think to process your thoughts and then you think and then you can respond to what you're asking. Right, it's a I'm, bit of I'm, both. I'm not going to be able to figure it out while we're thinking about it. But if I catch myself during the episode, I'll keep you posted. Thank you very and much. And can you do the same? Yes. Dave, not you. All right. <laughs> no, you too. <laughs> I've got a show to host. <laughs> okay. You've already got enough on your plate. <laughs> it's Yeah. A lot it's... of chicken feed. <laughs> the book chook. <laughs> All right. Book chook, chook, chook. <laughs> Everyone's peckering up here. Okay, here we go. I want to. I want people to be picturing a chook sitting up against a mic. You're turning the pages with your little pecker. I mean, your beak. <laughs> Am I wearing glasses? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, chook's got glasses. Yeah. Right? Chook's got glasses. Put your little pecker away. <laughs> Come on, this is business. Yeah. <laughs> I've, only a, I've only been a chook for a while. I've got to work out the best way to turn the page. Yeah. We're going to try everything. Yeah. yeah. I found the beaks the best way, but I've tried a few other things first. Cloaca. Cloaca. I put a line through that. Cloaca. My pecker. My feet. You know, it's all happening. Feathers. That, that didn't work. No. Nah. Feathers went everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, got to be the pecker. Oh, the beak. Gentle page turn with the edge of a wing. Oh, lovely. Mm. What else is the point of a wing? That's yeah. it. Mm. I can't <laughs> think of one. Throw, throw the rest of the chicken away. 
All right, previously on A Tale of Two Cities, just to get us up to date. So the first half of A Tale of Two Cities opened with the immortal line, it was the best of times, it was the worst Blurs. of times. Or blurst of times. When I uploaded the episode, the, one of the immediate comments was, I wonder how long it takes before you say blurst. <laughs> it was about a minute. <laughs> Our story is set in 1775 and does indeed take place over two cities, London and Paris. Both are filled with inequality and Paris is building towards an uprising and revolution. Uh, Jarvis Laurie, who works for Telson's Bank in London, went to Paris to bring home Dr. Manette, who was previously thought dead, but who had spent 18 years locked up in a cell in the Bastille prison. Which you've said is a bad one. Yeah, it's a bad one. And that's something to do with Bastille Day? Yeah, so Bastille Day celebrates when the Bastille was stormed. Right. Which is seen as a big event in making the the revolution really kick off. Again, I I knew that. Just wanted that one was for... For people at home, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are playing you. a fool. I've been them. in France for Bastille Day. I obviously know what they were oh. celebrating. So <laughs> a rich man, <laughs> was, you know, wealthy, wealthy. I back, see. Backpacking as a on my savings from my working as a trolley boy at a supermarket. So yeah, I am pretty wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He built his own wealth. <laughs> he created his Self-made empire. Self-made man. Self-made trolley boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, look, I say trolley boy, but I did some time in liquor. Uh, <laughs> did a day in the deli. Cleaned the meat room one time. Did a lot of time in uh, perishables. <laughs> Still, for the, those freezers, I'll tell you what, something about those freezers, bloody cold. <laughs> I feel like we're reading your resume. Did I say all of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You did a fair bit of time in perishables. You would better believe it. And that's why I'm qualified for this job as an architect. Yeah. <laughs> so you... are you giving me the job? <laughs> Did you ever call yourself a trolley, Wally? Damn it. <laughs> Bush Chook. No, what are you? <laughs> Bush Chook. Uh, trolley Wally. Where were you? Where were you? <laughs> I was doing my time on rhymezone.com, <laughs> studying Great away. website. Great website. <laughs> Saved us all. Saved right, us all. Yeah. They, they didn't update the app past the iPhone 4. It was a very sad time. Oh, come on, Rhymezone. Get your... Get your act together here. So they went, Jarvis Laurie went to the Bastille or to Paris where Dr. Manette had recently been released from the Bastille. After his release, Dr. Manette was housed by an old friend who owns a wine shop, Monsieur Defarge, and his wife, Madame Defarge. Both so great names. Good. So good. Both of whom are, are plotting the uprising against the rich aristocracy in France. By knitting. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Manette was deeply mentally affected when rescued, incessantly making shoes at a bench and having no idea where he was. But after being reunited with his beautiful daughter, Lucy, he appeared to recover. Lucy was in high demand with suitors across London. Remember, hundreds of hopeful Casanovas apparently throwing in their hat in the ring. It's a Disney movie. You know, it's like Aladdin or something. Wasn't it like they were coming in one at a time trying to convince the princess to marry and yeah. she's, she is just That's knocking a, them all back. A wild idea. That just doesn't happen anymore. No, it was that and Helen of Troy, yeah? Yeah, they're the two. <laughs> one and the three. The third, Throat, Lucy, yeah. Lucy yeah. Manette. Uh, one of the uh, people that seemed to desire her, uh, one of the people who hoped that she would return their love, but she did not, was a lawyer named Sidney Carton, a drinker and very negative man who thinks himself as beyond redemption. He tells Lucy that he loves her, but I'll tell you once, but never t- we'll never speak about this again, because she agrees to marry a French expat named Charles Darnay. Charles Darnay, 
if you remember the first half, is secretly named Charles Evermond, a French aristocrat who has turned his back on his land and title, moved to London to teach French a more honest life in his own view. He saw his old life as quite unjust. He tells his father-in-law-to-be, Dr. Manette, who he really is on the day of the wedding, and Dr. Manette does not take it well, regressing into making the shoes and not knowing who he is. However, after 10 days, he does recover. So there's clearly something going on there. Yeah. He yeah. revealed, I'm Charles Evermond. And then he went, okay, I've... Uh, got shoes to make. Yeah, I am not taking that well. I'm just going <laughs> to duck in for a moment. I got a cobble. I got a cobble. <laughs> uh, Charles Darnay and Lucy Manette marry and have a child named Little Lucy. No. The first name Little? What? Well, yeah, her name was Lucy, but they called her Little Lucy. Okay. Basically Lucy Jr. <sighs> I forgot. Or Luju. Luju. Luju is great. Oh, Luju. Next child born is Luju. <laughs> Luju. Uh, the bad lawyer and depressed man, Sidney Carton, <laughs> becomes close with the family and daughter, and everything is great for about five years. This is in London. That's mm-hmm. a good. That's a good stretch. Yeah, it's a good run. Yes, yeah, lovely. Good innings. Yeah. Until oh. <laughs> the revolution kicks off in Paris. The owners of the wine shop, Monsieur and Madame Defarge, are there when the Bastille is stormed. Later, celebrated as Bastille Day. Hey. What? <laughs> Uh, Several people are executed by the revolutionaries. The French Revolution has well and truly kicked off. Inside the Bastille, Defarge goes to the cell where Dr. Manette was kept for 18 years and searches it thoroughly before finding something. What he finds, we don't know. I'm so excited. We don't know what he's found, but we just know it's going to be important. All over France, rich houses are looted, burnt, the formerly oppressive owners are arrested, and many of them are murdered. Jarvis Laurie, our banker from the start of the book, is called to Paris to stabilise the branch of the bank over there, Telson's, and Charles Darnay, a.k.a. the aristocrat Charles Evermond, gets word that an old acquaintance, Gabelle or Gable, who was in charge of maintaining the estate after Charles left, has been arrested and is expecting to be murdered. So he said, he wrote him a letter saying, if you get this, please come and beg for my life, basically. Unable to sit idly by whilst Gable dies, Charles secretly sets off for Paris to help him. And that is part one. That's There's so good. much so to much find out still. I know so many cliffhangers, so many things to be, so many eyes to be dotted, if you will. I really, I think he's got a strong case for not being killed by the revolutionaries, right? I agree with you. That's why I didn't take my title. I went. I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm not like some secret toff. I've given it away. Very true. If anything, he's even more pure than them. That's right. But... I I could have had this rich life, but I said no, not for me. And it's like. I'd, I'd imagine not many people take that path. Anyway, I'm just predicting he gets killed horrifically. <laughs> and he, I think it's unjust. Is he on the list? He's not yet on the list. Ooh. The list of which you were talking about, of course, I thought I was going to um, put in the summary, but I left it out, was, um, as you alluded to there, Madame Defarge from the, the wine shop. She is constantly seen knitting, and we found out in the first book that she's actually secretly knitting a death list People that when the revolution kicks off should be killed. And all the names on her list are Jacques. Jacques. No, which Jacques. Is code. No, Jacques are the. Oh, the That's code I, for everything, including. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jacques means everything. It's very confusing. Several people have been accidentally killed. And several people have gotten people like, married. No, but I'm Jacques. And you're like, yes, it says here Jacques. No, but I'm the other Jacques. I'm sorry, there's only one Jacques. Yeah, only one Jacques. There's no tone in a scarf. <laughs> and then everyone in the in the hall stood up. No, I am Jacques. Yeah. I am, so she and killed they them killed all. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only one way to be sure. I will execute 2,000 men today. 
Uh, so how, how are you feeling, Cass? What do you predict that he... How do you think it's going to go for him as this former aristocrat? Matt thinks that he will be killed, but he shouldn't be. How do you think? It's not going to go well. I reckon he's going to... Well, like, if, if he comes in... He he was still I suppose he I suppose he does have a good case you know he does have a good case but I'm sure everyone would still be mad to be like yeah. you you had a, you got to pick what you did with your life right yeah we have had to fight for our stuff and you're coming in being like well don't kill everyone uh, they're like we have to fight for you know being alive and not starving to death you reckon he'll go in and say don't kill everyone um yeah I reckon yeah. he'll be like hey I'm good and then he'll get the chop right. Oh, I hope not. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say he's gonna live because just to oh, it's it's his his. Oh no, I reckon he'll just suffer. Oh, okay. I reckon it'll be long suffering. I don't know if he'll die. I reckon big suffer. What if he ends up being a guy who makes <gasps> shoes? Oh my god, and he has to fix his soul. Yeah, and somehow it's like passed on like a curse. Yeah, <gasps> I reckon maybe we find out. <gasps> maybe, maybe. <laughs> God, my mind's amazing me. No, no, no. He goes back and he's like, oh, you know, I didn't want to be an aristocrat anymore. I'll live an honest life. We find out he did something horrible and he's trying to run away from his past, maybe. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe the thing he did, there was a thing he did. It wasn't just being rich sucks. Yeah. It was like, I did a big crime and I need to distance myself. All right, a few predictions there. We'll find out who's right and who's wrong. Who's right and who's in the wrong. Oh, Okay, let's kick it off. Books! Uh, book the third is called The Track of a Storm. Oh. Some fantastic titles here, i yeah. got to tell you. The Track of a Storm. I listen to that uh, to get to sleep. That's really nice. you got a storm storm sound effect? Mm. Can we hear one of those right now? <laughs> well, I don't make it. I listen sure, to it. Oh, but if you want me to recreate. Yeah, yeah, yeah recreate because yeah, yeah. you're so good. Okay. You're talented. Um <laughs> That sounded a little bit like Darth Vader's helmet was malfunctioning. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what my warm up technique Sorry, uh, is. I do Darth. Vader. That's what I do to warm up for the storm. Sorry, Darth, the storm now. You ready? Can't quite hear what you're saying there, mate. And you're just <clears> slapping <throat> the side of the helmet because it's not working. Okay, now now, oh, now you warm up. Oh, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. Away. False alarm. That's what some people do. Uh, loose lips sink ships and stuff like that. Red yellow, yellow, yellow. Oh, <laughs> things like that. All good actors. <laughs> But I do Darth Vader's helmet malfunctioning. I don't do red leather, yellow. Oh, no. I Okay. Red, yellow, leather, leather. <clears throat> so here's a storm. <clears throat> the track of a storm. The track of a storm. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I may have just shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> that was big. I wasn't was, expecting such a big storm. That was terrible. Storm. Oh, my God. I hate thunder. That was yeah. terrifying. Get under the covers. I am. A storm's a brewing. Oh my god! Barricade the dogs inside. Yeah. Someone's gonna be upset. Yeah, you just caused a few dogs in the neighbourhood to howl. Yeah, I'm so sorry if anyone's listening this to this with their dog. <laughs> I imagine you all are. All right. So the track of a storm. So our hero, if I can call him that, Charles Darnay, <laughs> enters France, and we're not 100% sure of his plan, but in some way he's going to attempt to help. Gaba- Gable. Do we think it's Gable? I said Gabelle last week, but I reread that and I was like, that's probably Gable. Gable, Gable Roos, what are they? They're 
Uh, G-A-B-E-L-L-E. Oh. Gable. Gabel. I would say Gabel. I reckon Gabel. Okay, I'll like, stick with that. Stick yeah. to my guns. No one yeah. tweeted me and said I was wrong anyway. So in some ways, going to attempt to help his uh, old friend or acquaintance, Gabel. Sadly, immediately things do not go well. <laughs> immediately. He is uh, constantly stopped at checkpoints that have been set up by revolutionaries. He's usually able to talk his way through with the letter from Gabel, but eventually his luck runs out and he's arrested for being an immigrant. That is, uh, sorry, emigrant spelled with an E, that is a French person who has left for another country and then come back to France. Right. Big crimes in the revolution times. Which they do not like. It's like, well, you left. Why are you coming back here? If you're leaving, you better not come back, <laughs> yeah. okay? No, I'm serious. If you but walk out that door. Just, it's closed, okay? <laughs> it's closed. No windows for you. The revolution is full of angst. I got to <laughs> Uh, he protests his arrest and asks about his rights, but is told that as an immigrant, he doesn't have any rights. Yeah, new... All he has is wrong. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, yes, a new law has been passed. New laws were constantly being passed by the revolutionaries, basically adding enemies to their list. The new law states any immigrant forfeits their property and is condemned to death. Oops. And this has happened pretty quickly after coming back. They refer to him as Evermond, his old name. His aristocratic name, and he is handed over to the wine shop owner Defarge. Ooh. Did he ever meet Defarge? No, he hasn't met Defarge before. But Defarge knows his father-in-law and his wife Lucy right. because he, uh, they used to work together. Yes. So he, Defarge asked him why he's come back to France in the age of the guillotine. He's like, this is not a good place to be. Knowing Defarge saved his uh, wife Lucy's father. He asked Defarge to help him. He's like, hey, help a brother out here, you know, my father-in-law. But Defarge refuses. He would have been like, what? Oh, so I don't decapitate you, then what's next? I don't decapitate anyone? You know what I mean? So we're just going to have a clean guillotine then? Yeah. That's not what they're for. That's not what they're for. Come on. We're here to chop. (laughs) We've built like five of these things. (laughs) We need to kill these five people. We got KPIs to uphold. (laughs) Well, Darnay is taken to a prison called La Force, fantastic name, and meets briefly with a group of other inmates who look like ghosts. They look like people that have given up. He's a bit like, oh, dear, this is, I don't want to be here. Uh, before being taken to solitary confinement where he's kept in a tiny cell that only measures five by four and a half paces. I don't know how big these paces are, but I assume not very big. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I feel like people had a smaller gait back then. Mine's about a metre. How long, a couple hundred years ago, probably slightly smaller than that. Probably yeah. like five centimetres. Yeah. So that cuts off a little. Yeah. One just multiplied by four <laughs> and a half. Oh, my goodness. They couldn't even get him in. Basically, they opened up a like a locker and they, he put his hand in there. And then he just stayed. They've locked his hand in. He's outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My hand is under arrest. <laughs> oh, so he's not That's having a good time. That's how handcuffs were invented. <laughs> they, were, they were originally just lockers. Yeah. <laughs> So he's not having a good time. He's like, well, my quest to help this guy, Gabelle, is not going well. Cut to our Did bank. Did you rhyme again on purpose? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't mean to. You keep rhyming. It's the nicest thing. Yeah. What did I say that time? Uh, was something um, about Gabelle not going well. Yep. God, I'm really, I should be a, a freestyle rapper. You should be. I've, yeah, I've, I've thought that for a long time. Yeah, well, today I reckon is... This is the day for well, you. Well, the only chicken. thing holding me back was the fact that Rhyme Zone stopped being updated. Yeah. Oh, well, it was it was a hard time for all of us, but it seems like you've, um, <laughs> through osmosis, absorbed everything you need to know. You've become the master. I, I like the idea of, of you, your freestyle rapping, 
with your phone open on <laughs> rhymezone.com. <laughs> Going, oh no, what rhymes with wizard? Oh, give us a sec, give us a sec. Oh, lizard. Yes. Got it. One Got and back. <laughs> One and back. One back the crowd's respect. <laughs> Uh, so cut to our banking friend, Jarvis Laurie, who's in Telson's Bank in Paris, trying to make sure that the bank doesn't get looted, all that sort of stuff. Suddenly, Lucy and her father, Dr. Manette, rush in. No one knew they were in Paris. It feels a bit like a sitcom cameo. Like they've just yeah. kicked the door in and we've all gone, Woo! Yeah, I can't believe no it. No one knew, including us? Yeah, we didn't know, yeah. So what? they've, same weird that they're they've found out that um, her husband, Charles Darnay, is gone. I, I think that he thought it would be a quick trip. He could go for a couple of weeks and come back and be like, hey, baby, I'm sorry I had to go, but I'm back I love now. The, the idea of a quick trip. It's just going for a couple of weeks without saying where he's going. <laughs> it's just a quick trip. It's a quick trip, but now it could be the rest of his life he's in this prison. <laughs> Which is way longer. It's way, I mean... In comparison, it's yeah. way longer. Oh, it still yeah. could be a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, oh. the lesser is, like, is likely to be only a couple of weeks at this stage. Uh, Lucy tells Jarvis Laurie the awful news that her husband has been arrested. So she's heard, and that's why they've rushed over to Paris, despite the danger. There's got to be room for another twist now. I thought he was going to die, and now I think he's going to live. They can't. This can't be it. This can't be the end of the book. <gasps> Meanwhile, outside in the courtyard... Of the bank, a mob enters and begins sharpening their weapons out in the street. <laughs> That's oh. ominous. <laughs> when you see baddies <laughs> sharpening their weapons, and they're like outside co- of a bank, and they're covered in blood. You're like, oh no, oh, no, they've the weapons were fine before. Now they're becoming more deadly. It seems. Oh, no. And yeah, the, the weird w- thing about these weapons, they were guns. Why are they sharpening them? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Imagine a gun with like a sharp barrel, so you could just like cookie cut out a person. That's pretty sick, actually. I think you've just invented something really cool there, Cass. <laughs> well, um, if anyone wants to pay me for the patent rights. Uh... If we could just hear the sound of a sharp gun, a machine gun, how would that sound? Sharp one? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> sounds... I don't want that in. No, you don't want that in. You're... Injected into <laughs> my leg or arm? No, no, you certainly Ow. don't. Yeah. Keep your leg to yourself. It's please. like an inbuilt silencer. You don't need a silencer. You use the body that you're killing <laughs> as the silencer. It just absorbs. Yeah. Go again. Yeah, a lot of that is buffered by the body. (laughs) So this murderous mob have just turned up in the courtyard sharpening weapons. Laurie, Jarvis the banker, tells uh, Dr. Manette that the group are preparing to murder the prisoners at La Force Prison, which is where Charles Darnay is. They are extremely violent and almost devil-like and freak Jarvis Laurie out a lot. Dr. Manette calmly tells Laurie that he will go outside and speak to them. Hoping that as a former prisoner of the famous Bastille, that they will listen to him. Long-term prisoner what? too. But, hmm. Look, okay, 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 okay. Uh, okay. Dick- Dickens really paints the mob as fickle, and once they, so they're shouting stuff like death to prisoners, all that sort of stuff. It really is like a mob there. They're shout, uh, uh, doing a lot of rhyme zone work, if you know right. what I mean. Yeah. So the prisoners inside look like ghosts. The mob outside look like devils. Mm-hmm. Jeez, pretty descriptive stuff. Paris has really lost it. Yeah. So they're a fickle mob, and once they hear that Dr. Manette survived 18 years in this notorious prison, their death chants change and become help for the Bastille prisoners' kindred in La Force. So he really wins them over. They respect his story. They do a 180. Yeah. That's it. Mm, That's weird. That's weird, right? That feels weird. If you're about to kill someone and someone could just... Talk you out of it. All right. Well, I'm going to hear you out. (laughs) 
I think these people should die. Um, what if I told you? Okay, no, I'll sit okay. down. I'll sit I, down. I, I, Honestly, I've got time I, for you. I think that is sort of Charles Dickens in the first half. He's really on the side of the the peasants because we hear about like a one of these rich people running over a kid and not caring all that sort of stuff it's horrible conditions but in the second half he really goes and paints that the revolution has gone too far that they're right. too murderous and now they're just murdering people so willy-nilly yeah, that they've okay. become basically as bad as the people that they've usurped so i think that's what he's trying to do. paint the picture here is that they are so fickle they're like yeah, they'll be like kill 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 oh actually no don't kill this guy's all right so they're just all over the place. That's all, it? that's, he's sort of having his cake and letting them eat it too. <laughs> Is that anything? Oh, no, I reckon that's good. It, Isn't well, that in this time period? Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, a bit of a thing there. Mm, that's... Had a little swing. They're not all good. Nearly none of them. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I do need it. to justify my spot in this show by talking that's sometimes. True. And I do apologise for that. <laughs> Don't apologize. For talking. Yeah. <laughs> Can I propose alternative theory? Mm. <laughs> um. So this is in the third book, yeah? Book the third, yes. Book the third, I'm so sorry. And this has been coming out for a while and Charles Dickens has become more and more successful. Oh, Is he just rich now? Oh, no, he's very rich at the time of writing this. Oh, okay. That is, I'd totally forgotten that. So how much of this story is mapped out when he began? Yeah, is he starting off being like, yeah, it's hard being a struggling artist. And then by the end it's like, maybe the rich aren't delicious. Yeah, maybe we should like all like just chill out. (laughs) Maybe we're all people and people who want to kill the rich are like a bit much. Did we ever think of that? Yeah, no, no, he was already point. he was already yeah in his lifetime the most famous English writer. Yeah, the French Revolution was n- n- notoriously bloodthirsty. Oh, it wasn't good. And and I think a lot of people say it went a little too far. Right, okay. sort of became a, a, at first you'd be like oh yeah they were killing rich people. But then for, after a while, as often is the way with these things, people started taking advantage of that, being like oh we should kill that person so I can have their stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You know, they had a, a period called the Reign of Terror where any, everyone was worried that they would be uh, the next to get right. the chop, that they'd be accused. So they're like, all right, this guy's okay. So Dr. Manette leaves with the revolutionaries to try and save his son-in-law in La Force prison. In this third part of the book, uh, Dr. Manette's history as a prisoner becomes a sort of superpower and he begins to see his harrowing time in prison as actually worth it. He realizes that the reason he suffered so much was that one day he could save his daughter's husband. So he sort of starts taking solace. I imagine you've been—he was locked up in one of these four by five cells for eighteen years, nearly lost his mind. Hard to sort of justify why that happened to you in your life. You'd be yeah. pretty upset, but now he's like, actually, it was worth it. That's why I did it. So he sort of uh, takes a lot of strength in that. Lucy and her daughter are taken. This is Lucy Junior. <laughs> Luju are taken to a safe house where they are protected and guarded by a bank employee, Jerry Cruncher. Oh. No way! Oh. That rules. Who we met way back at the start of the book. He delivered a message. We, we met Jerry Cruncher. Jerry, he that doesn't ring any bells. I don't think we met him. He was in the opening. Uh, so remember, we had this, a very Cruncher. cool opening oh. chapter yeah. where he they was were on the um, they were on train. He was yeah. one of the three. Well, Jarvis Laurie was in the cart, and Jerry Cruncher was the one that approached from the darkness oh, and said, yes. "Hello, are you the Dover Mail cart?" Yes. And they all grabbed their guns like, Jerry "Oh no, we're about Cruncher. to get robbed by Jerry Cruncher, who, as well as being, we actually won't really talk about this, but we discover in this third book that as well as um, helping out people at the bank, he makes money by uh, grave robbing. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, a of good course honest he does. Living. That's his uh, secondary living. I I'll, mean, what do the dead need with their bones or whatever he's stealing? I think it's important to have a side hustle. Yeah. He, uh, and this is a good side hustle. It's, I guess people used to get buried, buried with jewellery and stuff. Oh, he actually steals the bodies for like... Um, <laughs> okay. 
for medical experiments and things like oh, that. Oh, sort of a Birkin... Yeah, Birkin hair. hair. Birkin, Birkin hair. wheels. Birkin <laughs> hair. Situation. Uh, Laurie organises this for the family, because so the safe house and Jerry Cruncher to look after Lucy and her daughter. Jerry Cruncher. <laughs> Uh, uh, Laurie, the banker, organises this for the family because he likes them, but also out of duty to his bank, he doesn't want to mix business with the revolution. Okay. Oh. It's a funny guy. He's so loyal to the bank. <laughs> He's like, this isn't bank business. You probably shouldn't be here in the bank talking about this stuff. I'll organise a safe house for you. <laughs> Who's loyal to a bank? <laughs> this guy, Jarvis, he's so loyal. After a long day of worrying, that night, uh, Jarvis Laurie finally hears back from Dr. Manette, who has made it into the prison and met his son-in-law, Charles Darnay, who was okay, at least for now. Okay. Defarge, the wine shop owner, delivers this message, uh, message to Jarvis Laurie and claims to have a note that he must deliver to Lucy. Jarvis Laurie takes Defarge to see Lucy at the safe house. Until now, they've been in a hidden location. And Defarge demands that his wife, Madame Defarge, the woman with the deathless on the scarf, come along as well. He's like, oh, I've got to give this message to her in person. My wife has to come. Madame Defarge also brings her right-hand woman, a fearsome lady that is only referred to in the book as The Vengeance. Whoa. What? The Vengeance, That's yeah. Badass. That's like a horse's name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a badass horse. <laughs> yeah. One of the headless horsemen's horses, maybe. No, that's death, isn't it? No, I don't know what that is. A lot of people. No. Oh, you mean horseman apocalypse horseman? Yeah, Mr. what are those horses called? Uh, Vengeance. Apples and. Apples. <laughs> Schnuffles. Schnuffles and ponytail. Oh. Uh, yeah. Is this true? No. Oh, I don't know. I was like, that would be quite surprising if true. <laughs> they wrote that in the Bible? Schnaffles. Schnaffles and ponytail. <laughs> They're their own spin off. <laughs> oh, I'd read that. <laughs> Uh, Madame Defarge claims that the reason she needs to see Lucy and her daughter is for their own protection, as she knows, so she knows what they look like and can look out for them should she have to. But this whole scene is a bit tense because you're not sure what Madame Defarge really has planned for Lucy. Right. Because they were in a safe house before, but now their location has been given to these pretty bloodthirsty revolutionaries. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and in the book, you're sure as hell you can't trust her. Right. Like... The two wine shop owners, Defarge the man, is a bit uh, a bit more lenient with people, but she's very clear-cut. She's the one writing the death list. She's very happy to kill a lot of people. She's really goal-oriented. Very goal- <laughs> Nothing is getting in her way. She's got a list. She's going to tick them off. And I'm reading, the, I'm reading this going, don't give them the safe house address. Don't tell them where they are, but they do that. Finally, they get there and they deliver the message to Lucy. Lucy begs Madame Defarge to help her husband, Darnay, in the prison, but Madame coldly refuses. The revolution stops for no one. Her coldness and lack of compassion intimidates Lucy and her daughter. And they start to wonder, well, we start to wonder, I imagine, will their names be soon added to that list? That's what I was thinking. You can just hear like what? like really subtle click, click, clicking in the background. You're like, oh, no. Are you knitting in your pocket? Under what crime? They're English people, right? Yes. Being English people in France. But they are related to this French man. By marriage. And... By birth, the daughter is half Right, and for that reason, oh, you kill babies. Oh, yeah. It yeah. does sound like it might have gone a little too yeah, far. Yeah, really, that's that's kind of what's happening. It's gone too far. Uh, four more days go past and Dr. Manette himself returns from the prisons. He's been away for four days. He has used his influence as a veteran prisoner to persuade a usually bloodthirsty tribunal to keep Charles Darnay alive. 
He has a spring in his step, and this is where he finally begins to feel purpose in his life. He promises Lucy that he will protect her husband and not let him die. Well done, Dick Van Dyke. Good on you, Dicky. You still picturing Dick? Oh, the whole time. <laughs> I'm picturing Dick. <laughs> Dr. Manette has also been able to get a job as a doctor in the prison to look after the inmates. Secretly, he does that so he can keep an eye on his son-in-law, Charles Darnay, and try and keep him safe. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A year and three months go past. Darnay remains imprisoned. Meanwhile, outside the revolution kicks up a gear and King Louis XVI and his wife, Mary Antoinette, are both beheaded. Oh, I heard about that. They are amongst thousands <laughs> killed by the guillotine. Can you believe this? I cannot. Heard about this? Heard about this? Cassas. Heard about this? Did they, did they did you clean the guillotine between chops? Oh, I do not think so. Do you want me to do my guillotine? What? <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> I just realized in all the paintings of guillotines I've ever seen, none so, of them have been dirty. Yeah, they're always very clean. Yeah. But, well, you know, artists, artistic impression. Yeah. Now, why would you bother cleaning it? I mean, yeah. you're not going to, there's going to, nothing nasty is going to be transferred between people at that stage, is it? Oh. Except maybe the executioner, I suppose. You want to keep them clean. Yeah. Maybe it's their work. I mean, yeah, that's true. Depending on how much pride and safe they take. That's yeah. true, actually. Hopefully, and, they're wearing gloves. Yeah, you'd think so. And uh, so during this time, Dr. Burnett tells Lucy that in the cell in which Charles Darnay is in prison, the 4 by 5 he has a small window that sees out to the street. He tells her that if Lucy stands in a certain spot, he should be able to see her. Luju or Lucy? Lucy and Luju takes her along. Okay. So rain, hail or shine, Lucy stands in this spot for two hours every single day. She can't see her husband the way the window's angled, but... She hopes that he can see she her. She hopes. Oh, uh, that's standing with your baby in the olden days in the rain. That's, Not modern day rain. There is no shoe support either, oh. and you know they're leaking, you know? And there's cobbled streets. Oh, my God. You get so sore. Get a photo, man. Do you reckon people in the old days had to lie down a lot more? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, when you walk around for a bit and you haven't been wearing the best shoes and you're like, whew, I'm giving alive, myself yeah. an injury. Oh, I had that yesterday. My God, my knees are a bit gone. Oh, that feels sore. I reckon it probably depends on which side of the revolution you're on. I reckon uh, the aristocracy probably had a lot of lie downs and then probably mm. the peasants less lying They down. just had injuries. Yep. It was yeah. lay down t- to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So she's like, I hope you can see me. We find out from the doctor who talks to Charles Darnay that he sees her out there a few moments here, a few moments there. So it's very, very... It's fleeting, yeah, but it really gives him, you know, strength that he sees his wife out there. And to me, it would look like she was haunting him. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> don't forget me. <laughs> oh, she's in the same spot every day, just staring ahead. He's probably not sleeping well. He's probably thinking, "Am I imagining that?" Yeah. So uh, with plasma screens, that issue they had where the images would the logos for the tunnels you watch would get burned enough. in. Oh, uh, is that wife or burned-in wife? <laughs> Have you just gotten used to wife? <laughs> uh, so he, it keeps him going. Finally, Darnay's trial comes. 
And these trials almost always end in death for the accused. Basically sham trials. A crowd of bloodthirsty spectators watch and heckle. Charles Darnay takes the stand to defend himself. Oh, uh, dis- tell a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Heard it. Uh, he takes the stand to defend himself, and despite speaking very well, the jury and the crowd remain unconvinced. The crowd cheer for his head to be chopped off. Chop it. Chop it off. Chop it off. Say something funny. <laughs> Someone's just hitting a gong. <laughs> Get him off. However, Dr. Manette, the man with great reputation, a great reputation, <laughs> a reputation, amongst the people, takes to the stand to defend his son-in-law. He says that Charles Darnay, this is Matt's argument, has given up his title years earlier and has only returned to save Gabelle. It's a kind man move. Yes. But what did he do? Why did he leave? What's his past? Uh, the fickle jury and crowd change from demanding that Darnay die to demanding that he lives. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't chop it up. Don't chop it up. magic. Don't chop it up. Keep off. it on. Keep it on. Keep it on. <laughs> that Dick Van Dyke charm. Have you already chopped it? Oh, too late. <laughs> unslice. Unslice. <laughs> unslice. <laughs> Controls it. I got the jury votes to free him and the mob rush in to carry Darnay out on his shoulders. In seconds, he went from condemned to a freed man being carried, carried out. down to the street by a mob going, we love this guy. They're making the mob sound kind of stupid. The, yeah. the mo- it sounds like the mob just wanted unity. Yeah. Like all the mob wanted were, was a friend. And they're like, yes, I feel a sense of community in with the mob. Mm. I'm one with mob. Yep. They just... How old are they? Are they just have? Are they kids with peer pressure? Is mob just kid, kid peer pressure? Hmm? I think that yeah, the peasants didn't live very old, so they're pro- all probably. Is it sort of like jury duty? They're doing mob duty. <laughs> yeah. You get a letter oh, in the mail. No. Oh, I gotta know. You call up to the mob, and like there's like a family member in another room, just like oh my god, I did it the other week. Just if you always say death, you don't have to think. It's like oh, yeah. I'm so tired from standing on these cobbled stones all day. Do they let you lie down? They let you sit. Ugh. <laughs> Here, take this axe. All right. Oh, they got to participate in the killings? No, they just got to wave swords around a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's that's fun. And every now and then there'd be a bit of loot and they would like, yeah. What I read in one part of this book is, so Charles Darnay is carried out on his shoulders. Other times people would be, uh, the mob would literally tear people to shreds. Which sounds real nasty. That sounds bad. Pull them to bits. I think it's really bad that people can do that to people, not as in morally, as in we should physically. <laughs> we shouldn't be able to. That's wrong. If if someone's like a bear will tell you apart, I'm like fair enough. Maybe the mob was made up of chimpanzees. Mm. Ah. I think they were. It's yeah. a chimp mob. Yeah, <laughs> they've rented in a chimp mob. Yeah, couldn't well, find find real people that were willing. Chimpanzees, I accept because I'm like, well, they don't yeah. have the same brains as us. We got the brains; they have the ability to the tear strength. me apart. They've earned it. Also, there is a story from an English town where um, a, a French ship washed up on shore, and we went to visit this town, Dave. Yes, we did go there, and the only a monkey survived. So called Hartley Pool. Hartle. Yeah, Hartlepool. Yeah, I, I I got in trouble for saying Hartlepool because it's Hartlepool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so only a monkey survived, and the t- the story goes that the townspeople of Hartlepool believed they'd never seen a French person before, so they thought the monkey was a Frenchman. And I think the and monkey was also wearing a uniform. Was wearing a uniform. <laughs> so <laughs> they were like, "What? This is what French people look like." They gave it a trial and hanged the monkey. <laughs> Because it wouldn't talk. <laughs> it wouldn't give the secrets. And their sporting teams are still called, one of them's called the, mon- uh, 
One of the mascots for the soccer team, I think, is called Hangus the Monkey. <laughs> no, 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 no. I went and saw a statue of, of, of this monkey and threw some coins into it. Yes. For, and, for good luck. As and you, as and you the do. statue was of a chimpanzee. So even the town truly don't know what yeah. a monkey looks like. And they don't know what a French person looks like either <laughs> to this day. But maybe what more I was thinking was maybe the French mob were monkeys or chimps. This is the only thing that makes sense. And then maybe so maybe the people of Hartlepool were right. Mate, just maybe. I'm not saying definitely. <laughs> but if they're chance. ripping people limb from limb, that's chimp strength. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd is chimps. Like I don't I don't think I could rip a person apart. No. I don't firstly, I don't think I would want to. But secondly, I don't think I could even if I did. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm, I reckon I could. And I reckon I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Come here. Come on, give me your left arm. You don't need it. Well, people have been pretty bad at chickens for a long time, so I can see why you... The bookshook is pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So Dane gets home to his wife and daughter and they have an emotional reunion and he can't quite believe that he's out. Dr. Manette is proud that he followed through on his word and basically achieved the impossible and got a reprieve for his son-in-law. Jeez, you'd be rushing to the border. Get out. Get out of there. And Lucy thanks her father. Thanks for coming. No, thank word. you. Quick, get yes, on a boat or something. There's no time. This this mob is They're going to change their mind. You've said it. They're fickle. <laughs> get out of there. Well, everything is well in the world for about 12 hours. Oh, no. Tell me they're on their way out. They Don't... didn't leave? The next... France isn't that big. The next day, Charles Darnay is again arrested. Oh, oh my God. Dr. Manette tries again to use his influence to intervene, but the arresting soldier reminds him that the revolution is the only thing that matters and that if it demands a sacrifice, he must make it. What's his crime? Well, Dr. Manette, he's, he actually demands to know who's accused his son-in-law. So that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. People are constantly accusing each other. It's like, well, who's accusing him of doing anything wrong? The soldier replies that he is acting on accusations made by three people. The wine shop owner, Defarge, uh. Madame Defarge, and a third mystery person that will be revealed tomorrow. So that counts as three accusations. Two of them are married in the same shop. Surely that's one accusation. You go, three. oh, no, well, there's well, three of us here. We're, we all accused them. Like, that doesn't... Oh, yeah, uh, Luju, they... she also accuses. Oh, yeah. our, our dog accuses as well. Uh, bark twice if you don't accuse. All right, he didn't bark. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that Mr. Farage or whatever is the Nigel level of Farage. a dog, but I'm just saying you group them together. Don't you? Sadly, that's three accusations and he's taken off. Taken, He's back in prison. Is it? And it's three is what they need? Oh, no, it's just the more people that accuse you, the the, the better right. it is. So it's Defarge, Madame Defarge, and the third mystery person that will be revealed to us Who's tomorrow. Gonna, I'm guessing someone we know. Mm. We haven't heard from that down, Debbie Downer for a while. Well, another <laughs> sweet cameo arrives <laughs> in the form of our friend Sidney Carton, <laughs> the Debbie Downer of which you speak, the miserable lawyer who's secretly in love with Lucy but is dreadfully depressed because he thinks he has squandered his entire life. He turns up. <laughs> he's, oh he's been God. saying this for twenty years. Yeah, he turns up at Telson's bank in Paris and tells Jarvis Laurie that he's overheard the news that Charles Darnay has been arrested. Jarvis Laurie is, of course, shocked to hear this news. However, Carton has a plan to help their friend Darnay. Jarvis Laurie begins to weep when he realizes that Darnay surely won't survive a second arrest. The first time was almost nearly impossible. Carton tells Laurie that he's always looked up to him and that when he's gone, he'll be remembered fondly. Carton remarks that a long life wasted would be a miserable one. He's always saying these sort of miserable (laughs) quotes. 
Carton wanders the streets. Way to of- lift the mood, Carton. <laughs> He's always bringing it down. He wanders the streets of Paris all night, thinking of Lucy. It's a real montage, this scene. He says a prayer in his mind over and over again as he wanders. He helps a young child cross the muddy street. She kisses him on the cheek. There's things happening. He goes into a chemist and buys a mystery substance. We don't know what that's for. Oh. A few things going on. So somewhere, do we, we don't know what was found earlier. So no, we haven't found that yet. Multiple mystery substances. Yeah, a few there. mysteries coming that all will be revealed. We don't know what he was accused of either. No. And all, the third accuser, we still don't know. Yeah, so all of those things you just mentioned are soon to be revealed. Ooh. Sunrise comes and he's still wandering. This is Sidney Carton. And he goes to Darnay's trial where his three accusers are announced. Defarge. Do they applaud each one? <laughs> They're sitting yes! in a special box. Hello. <laughs> the second is Madame Defarge, who we already knew those two. And then the third accuser, a certain Dr. Manette. Wait, what? <gasps> the father-in-law of the accused. Plot twist. Plot twist. The, the shoemaking but man. He got him what? off, though, didn't he? He got him off. Is this like a Jekyll and Hyde thing where he didn't realise? Well, Defarge <gasps> takes the stand and reveals that after searching Dr. Manette's former cell in the Bastille, remember he found something. Oh, yeah. yes. He found a letter written by the doctor himself. The letter is read out. This is what it said. The letter was written in secret bit by bit by Dr. Manette whilst imprisoned in the Bastille in 1767 and reveals why he was arrested in the first place. We've got no idea. He's just, he was there for 18 years and <coughs> thought to be dead. In 1757, so ten, this is 10 years before, mm-hmm. two noblemen who were clearly brothers had, be, had approached him as a doctor and asked him to care for a young peasant man and his sister in a country house outside of Paris. So he's quite a famous doctor, and they say, can you come and help these two people? The doctor discovers that the woman was delirious and unable to say anything except, my husband, my father, and my brother. She just says this over and over again. Very distressed woman. The other of his patients was this woman's brother who lay dying of a stab wound. He revealed to the doctor what had happened to both of them. He explained that the nobleman had raped the woman and taxed her husband and father to death. So they're two terrible Can people. Tax tax them to death. Well, so they were so poor they both starved to death. Right. So that's why she's saying my husband, my father and my brother. It feels like a, like he's standing there like physically like throwing tax documents at him. Yeah. Punching him like his fists are his tax collectors. And <laughs> those, his... those little stamps that say overdue. Yeah. Yeah. Say hello to tax and collector. <laughs> <laughs> The man who had been stabbed, her brother, had heard of the crime committed against her and after hiding away a second younger sister, came to the nobleman's house to get revenge. But sadly, he was stabbed. The nobleman tried to make up a story explaining the crimes, but Dr. Manette knew that they were lying. He knew that this peasant was telling the truth. Both the brother and the sister died. The brother cursed the family and Dr. Manette went home. But not before being sworn to secrecy by the nobleman. They said, Whatever you heard here today, never tell anyone what you've seen. He was visited by one of the nobleman's wives the next day who wanted to apologise for her husband's crimes and find the younger sister that had been saved and hidden away. She was worried about it. Unfortunately, Dr. Manette didn't know where she was. The woman then revealed that her name was Evermond, which is Charles Darnay's real name. So the two rapist men, one was his father and the other was his uncle. Uh, This is, of course, Charles Darnay that would later go on to be this man's son. So it sounds like he's turned on him because of what his father and uncle did. No, well, no, so this letter is still written in 1767. So the letter continues. 
Dr. Manette, despite being sworn to secrecy, decided to report the crimes in a letter to the court. But the letter was intercepted by the rich and powerful brothers, and he was imprisoned in the Bastille, where he wrote the letter now being read in the court. Right. So this is all written down. At the end of the letter, Dr. Manette denounces the Evermont family and inadvertently accuses his son-in-law, Charles Darnay. So he basically says, this family is bad. This is a bad family. A yeah, pox on this whole family. So that's not what I mean. He's, so he's been he's turned on him because of his uncle and his father, not anything he did himself. Oh, no, nothing he's done himself. But he, because he's never, at this stage, he doesn't even know that the son exists. Yeah. So he's, by accident, in the past, accused and his future son-in-law. And then when he hears, tells him his real name. That's, that's why, why he had a, he again. flipped out and he was like, oh, dear, you are related to the, two of the worst people I've ever met. So... Did he accuse? Did he actively accuse, or did someone find the letter and say? No. So yeah. So um, Defarge just found the letter and said, "Look, I've got evidence that uh, even the doctor thinks that this guy is a bad guy." Right. That makes more so sense. So he's not okay. actually. Yeah. So Doctor Manette could even put his hands up and go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I wrote that ten, uh, yeah. you know, twenty-five years ago at this point, but um, I don't agree with it anymore." But they're going to. And he's sort of like, I mean, his whole family. <laughs> surely, that I know. We're just saying the revolutionaries aren't super logical at times. Big A. He was just a boy. He had nothing to do with it. And he also was like, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. Yeah. Sadly, the court erupt in fury and Charles Darnay is sentenced to death Again? the next day. The neck. Neck day because he was, uh, gets oh, it in the neck. No, that's good. That's good. So that's can good. you explain that a little bit more? Okay. So um, <laughs> what we got one? here... <laughs> Oh uh, Lucy and Darnay are allowed to embrace one last time before being separated, probably... Head from body. Forever. <laughs> uh, when I said that the crowd pulled people apart, I mean Lucy. She ripped him into, <laughs> ripped him into two. If, if you're going to kill him, I can. Ah, <laughs> uh, she killed him. No, that's not true. He's taken away thinking he's going to die the next day. Dr. Oh, Man- thinking he's going to die the next Ooh. day. Oh, a bit of a spoiler you've given us. Possibly. Oh, sizzle. Let me hear in sizzle. Thinking and rightfully so because he is... No. <laughs> Dr. Manette goes off to see if he can use his influence again because he's still like... I wrote that letter, yeah, nearly 20 years ago. I don't agree with it anymore, but the court just sort of go, we don't care. He goes away to try and use his influence again, but his friends secretly doubt that anything can be done. They really think that Charles Darnay is going to lose his head tomorrow. Sydney Carton goes to the wine shop. This is our lawyer friend that hates life and everyone in it. And it's like, no, the woman I'm in love with's husband's about to die. No, that's bad. I oh. don't like that. No, no that's Whoops. that's bad like everything else in life. I hate it. Champagne? Yeah. Like, oh, not for celebrating, just because we're in a wine store, mm. you know. Morning well, champagne. <laughs> he goes to the wine shop to see the Defarges. They don't know him. He walks in and they notice how much he looks like Charles Darnay, the man <laughs> just sentenced oh, to death. Oh, he's there's going to be a, a play swap. <laughs> what do you remember at the start? Because remember in in the first scene, uh, sorry, in the first book, at the start of the book, he got Charles Dan- Darnay off the charge yeah. of treason because he lo- he stood up and said, "Can you tell the difference between me and him?" Yeah, and everyone whole, looks like and me. The whole dude. crowd went, <laughs> "Oh, is he going to martyr himself?" Not martyr himself. Is he going to... Oh, I'll stop guessing. <laughs> uh, whilst at the wine shop, Carton also overhears Madame Defarge talking about how they'll next accuse Lucy and her father, Dr. Manette, of spying and have them condemned as well, as well as their little daughter, Lucy. Oh, Luju. No, not, not Luju. Luju. 
Her husband Defarge counters and basically says, isn't that a bit excessive? We've got Evermond. Maybe we should call it there. But Madame Defarge reminds her that anyone with Evermond blood must be exterminated. For another reveal here, she is the younger sister of the brother who was murdered and the sister who was raped by the Evermond brothers, okay. the one that was secretly hidden away. So she's got the that's a that's an origin story. So that's her, that's why this whole time she's having no pity for them. Yeah. France is a small country, eh? Yeah, <laughs> she will not rest until small her quest country. for vengeance is complete. So Carton leaves and goes back to the bank with his news. He's like, "Oh, I've got to get them out of the country." <laughs> Dr. Manette also arrives, raving and looking for his shoemaking bench. <laughs> it's clear that his appeal for his son-in-law has failed and he is struggling mentally. So just the idea that someone storms in, usually in you know, it's sad time being like, give me the whiskey boy, like, where's my bench? Get me a shoe. <laughs> Get but me a Dad, size eight. No. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, he's lost it. Carton calms him down and also, whilst doing so, takes from his pocket the paperwork that will allow Dr. Manette, Lucy, and her daughter, little Lucy, Luju, to leave Paris. Because of the state of the city, to get in and out, everyone needed documents. Mm. Carden gives these documents, as well as his own exit paper, to a confused Jarvis Lorry, the banker, and he tells the banker that he must get the family to leave the city at once before they are condemned and their papers are rescinded. So, because once you get condemned... Even if you try and use your paper to get out, you're probably right. arrested on the border. Yeah. Go, go, go. Uh, no like, one's fast enough. Why aren't they just always trying to leave? I know. Why do you want to be here? Charles Darnay, in his cell, comes to term with his execution and the night before his death writes letters to the doctor and to Lucy, explaining that he never knew her father was in prison because of his relatives. I didn't know any of that. He also explained that the only secret he ever kept from her was his original name. Remember how he never told his he wife? To, mm. Imagine finding that out in court. Yeah. Like, why did you arrest my husband? Well, <laughs> and he, re he reveals that was because her father had made him swear that he wouldn't tell his wife. Right. Oh. And he was like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know at the time that's because uh, my dad put your dad in prison. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yikes. Not all dads. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he also wrote a letter to Mr. Laurie. But he never once thought of his old mate, Sidney Carton. This is a quote. His mind was so full of the others that he never once thought of him. Hmm. He awakes the next day with the thought, this is the day of my death. I read that and I was like, that is, cr imagine, a lot of, because a lot of people throughout history would know that they're about to die. Imagine waking knowing. I don't know, something about that really struck me. That's... This is the day of my death. Do you reckon there, I don't know, I I guess I'm an optimist, but if I was waking up being like, this is the day of my death, there'd be a part of my mind that's like, maybe. <laughs> maybe, we don't know. Yeah, we don't we know. Don't know. We no don't know guarantees. Them. Maybe I'll get saved by a undercover gorilla who'll come in yeah. wearing a disguise. Mm -hmm. And he's real strong because he's a big gorilla. <laughs> like can, a really big one. He can rip my enemies apart. He'll oh, rip them apart. The idea of like... A kid making up an imaginary friend and it's a gorilla. It's like, oh, I'd love to, you know, be friends with Superman. So if I got, you know, scared, he could fly me out of the scary situation. I wish I was friends with a big gorilla. Big gorilla. He'd just rip anyone apart I didn't <laughs> like. So he's got this thought, this is the day of my death. He was one of 52 people condemned to die that day. He paced his cell and this is just a bit of Charles Dickens prose for you. 
The hours went on as he walked to and fro, and the clocks struck the numbers he would never hear again. Nine gone forever, ten gone forever, eleven gone forever, twelve coming on to pass away. That's, I like that. That's, that's good. good. That's Very good. I see why people dig this dude. He was told he oh, I'm a dickhead, big time. Oh. That's converted me. <gasps> Are we Dickens chickens? Oh, oh this book trick is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Darnay was told he, he would die at 3 p.m., so it's already 12 o'clock. Suddenly... Darnay's cell is unlocked. He turns and sees a face he did not expect to see. Another quote here. The door was quickly opened and closed, and there stood before him face to face, quiet, intent upon him, with the light of a smile on his features and a cautionary finger on his lip. Sydney Carton. <sighs> Go to the old switcheroo. Well, Darnay is very shocked to see him and then starts to worry that Carton is also a prisoner. Carton reveals that, thankfully, that is not the case. And instead, he reveals he has blackmailed one of the jailers to let him to visit. And that is actually a bit of a subplot that I have skipped over a bit, just to condense this a bit. But that's all you really need to know from that. Okay. He blackmailed one of the jailers to let him in. He, he followed him around for weeks, got photos <laughs> of him in compromising positions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got really good at Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. He learnt photography. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done this? Have you done this? <laughs> we go, we follow him to TAFE. He does a three year photography course. <laughs> it's so long and windy. Uh, Carton tells Darnay that he has a request from his wife, Lucy, and there's no time to explain. He just must comply. The request is that the two men change clothes. <laughs> It's what she wanted, so I don't get it. But so that's Lucy told him to do that. That's what he says. Darnay thinks oh Carton is trying to break him out, and he says, what are you doing? We'll both be killed. You should just leave now. But Carton says, just do what you're told. Lucy wants you to do this. There's no time. He also gets Darnay to unknowingly write out a letter from Carton to Lucy. Unknowingly to- write out a letter. <laughs> well, he says, just write this out and... Charles Darnay's like, I don't know what, this doesn't make any sense to me, but really it's a letter from Carton to Lucy. Right. But written by her husband. Uh, This is, if you remember, said Carton dictating, the words that passed between us long ago, you will readily comprehend this when you see it. You do remember them, I know. It is not in your nature to forget them. So in that, he's referring to when Lucy told Carton that there was still time to turn his life around. So remember, in the first book, he said to her, I love you, but I'm a wreck. Even if you were to love me, you shouldn't be with a loser like me. I've wasted my life. And she says, mate, you're not that old. Yeah. You could still write, write your wrong. Just turn he your life around. He was 14 at the time. <laughs> and he said, nah, there's no hope for me. Give up on I, me. No, he's it like kicking a can along, like hands in his pocket, staring at the ground. I'm going to – that. I think that is going to stay in my brain forever. Mate, you're not that old. <laughs> Any anytime I'm sad about my life, yeah. hey, you're, you're not, not that, that old. old. Oh, okay, so <laughs> remember he... what Dave says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paraphrasing Dickens there, I must say. <laughs> um, so he gets Darnay to ride on. Quote: I am thankful that the time has come when I can prove them that I do so is no subject for regret or grief. So then, Carton then drugs Darnay with the substance that he brought that he bought oh, from the chemist. Yes. It's a chloroform like vapor that makes Darnay pass out. Now they've changed clothes. Two guards who believe that Darnay is Carton and that Carton is Darnay carry Darnay out of the prison. They have swapped places. Remember, they look really alike. <laughs> like, I don't know, really alike. My guest has just passed out. Can you take him out of here? <laughs> oh, that, that bloke's not meant to be in here. Oh, we'll just pop him out. Breaking into a prison is not a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm, uh, the lead prisoner is aware of it because he's the one that's been blackmailed. And he even says to Carton, mate, you're not going to reveal what you know about me, which is that he's secretly a spy. And he says, no, no, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. As long as you keep my mouth shut, I'm going to pretend to be Charles Darnay from this point on. So don't you worry about that. And he's like, all right. It's not going to end well for you in about two hours, <laughs> yeah, but don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, it'd be a perfect scenario for the prison guard. Yeah, yeah. he's like, great. Your secret dies with you in yeah, two hours. Yeah, that's it. Mm. At 2 p.m. an hour before the scheduled execution, Carton, dressed as Darnay, is taken into the yard with the other 52 prisoners who are scheduled to die. No one notices the swap except a seamstress who is also about to die. She's condemned. She knew Darnay and notices the slight difference in appearance. She asks Carton, are you dying for him? To which he replies, and his wife and child. Oh, amazing stuff. Carton worries that the others will be stopped fleeing the city. But Laurie, Dr. Manette, Lucy, her daughter, and the drugged-out Darnay get into a carriage and flee the city. Yes. They are not stopped. So they make it out. Oh, my God. But he doesn't know that. Imagine thinking, oh, I might be about to die and not, and they might still get caught. But that's his risk. Oh, Carton's really turned it around, hasn't he? Really coming through here. Sydney Carton. Redemption. Honestly, this is the first thing he's tried. So (laughs) imagine if he'd tried anything else, (laughs) to be honest. Now there's quite a difficult thing. He's impersonating a man on death row. Exactly. Successfully. It's a tricky thing. He put his mind to it. He got something done. He could have done it at any other (laughs) stage. Uh, So that's what's happening. He's about, you know, he's with the other prisoners condemned to die. Meanwhile, our vengeful Madame Defarge heads to Lucy's apartment to try and catch her in the illegal act of mourning the death of a prisoner. You're not allowed to mourn the death. Because they're an enemy of the state, and if you're seen to be mourning them, that you're probably also an enemy of the state. It's pretty crazy stuff what's happening in in Paris at that time. There's a lot going on. There's a lot, and people are, yeah, accusing each other. uh, So who are they trying to catch? She's trying to catch... Lucy. Lucy and Luju. And Luju. That baby is crying. She is mourning <laughs> an enemy of the state. Uh, she's looking to have, she's looking for any reason to have Lucy arrested. At the house, Jerry Cruncher. Oh, yeah. Yes. Who was their guard and also another character I have yet to mention, but she's quite minor until this point. Miss Pross, who's Lucy's maid. Oh, yes. They are also preparing to leave. So the people that. They've been protecting. Have already left, but to avoid suspicion, they want to leave a bit later. You know, leave the lights on, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. To avoid suspicion of leaving together, Miss Pross gets Cruncher to to meet her at the cathedral, and they'll go from there rather than leave from their house. So Madame Defarge arrives to find that Miss Pross is alone in the house. Despite one speaking only French, Madame Defarge, and the other one English, Miss Pross, they both hate each other and are able to communicate that. <laughs> <laughs> Defarge demands to know where Lucy is, but Miss Pross does not give anything away. So she's just stalling, stalling, stalling. Defarge attempts to search the bedroom as Miss Pross has cleverly closed all the doors to make it look like other people are still home. But Miss Pross stands in her way and will not let her through. The two women get into a physical altercation and Defarge pulls out a gun that she had secretly hidden on her body. But Pross... It was a lot tougher than she looks. Madame Defarge really underestimates her. Is able to turn the gun back on the woman, famous for knitting her death list, and Madame Defarge herself is killed. Oh. That's the second last chapter, which is called The Knitting Done. Oh, yes. Oh, the, so the titles are fantastic. Oh. Fantastic title work. That is, like, even though she had a sort of like a worthy origin story to become the villain, it still I don't, it feels 
fine that she got killed. Oh, I mean, she was trying to kill someone, a maid. Yeah, and also, you know, a child. A baby, and a baby, Luju. Do you reckon she stitched Luju into the, I hope, I mean, a fitting death would have been her strangled by the death scarf. Oh, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Or stabbed with one of the knitting needles. Yep. Oh, through the eye. I've been picturing Luju this whole time as a as like a baby sized, um, <laughs> baby. <laughs> no, like a like a lozenge, like one of those ju- jubes. Oh, I'm picturing like like, like a antico? pastel jube. Like oh right, so something you would like a cough lolly type. Not, thing. but not a, just a, a pleasure lolly. Oh, not, like not a hard for cough. lolly. No, like a soft jube. You know those mushy <gasps> ones coated in sugar. Yeah, like a sherbet bomb. No, I'm thinking like a lifesaver, like a jube. Yeah, so it's, oh, it's so, like yeah, squishy. It's yeah, squishy. squishy and circle. if you touch it, you get a nice squish, but it covered in Oh, so, you mean a jube. Sorry, you said that five times. <laughs> I ignored like, no, you every time. So sorry. <laughs> and it's wearing a nappy. That's what I've been picturing. Luju. I don't know why. I think it's because it sounds like jube, probably. Is that Am, am I okay? <laughs> so we've got... Uh... And I really do not. And I'm like this crazy French woman wants to kill this... This little jube. Delicious jube, baby. She wants to accuse Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> and the jube grandson? Yeah. Oh, so that's the knitting dud. Love that. Miss Pross is deaf- deafened by the gun when it goes off. Uh, do you reckon guns were the loudest thing a person could hear back in that day? Yeah. yeah. They hadn't invented anything louder back then. <laughs> Not like now. Now that we've got surround sound. <laughs> Yep. But a Dolby. Dolby, yeah. The audience is listening, am I right? Yeah, if you listen to a gun on that, now that's loud. <laughs> but she's deafened by the gun. Despite this, she's able to escape and meet Jerry Jerry Cruncher at the cathedral. And they <laughs> Jerry also, Cruncher. They also leave to go home. That's oh, crunch time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been going for those kind of things all episode and not pulled any off. That was great. Was that not good? That was cool. that a pun? Oh, kind of. All right. That's a pun. Yeah, it's yeah. a pun on Jerry Cruncher's name. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic pun work there. Thank you. Would love if he, if I have he, good pun Whatever you, you stuffed it up by saying, it's cruncher time. <laughs> that is My so, Jerry, shot. Jerry, that is so close to being something good. It's Jerry time. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jer time. Here's Jerry. <laughs> so they're able to leave. So now all our English people have left except Sydney Carton. The 52 scheduled to be executed are taken in carts to the guillotines where they are abused by people in the streets. Classic stuff, mob scenes, stuff's being thrown at them. Uh, is that your haircut? It's shit. <laughs> exactly. Get a haircut, you maggot. <laughs> That's what we used to say when we were young and silly boys. Get who, a haircut. Get a haircut, you maggot. Who are you heckling? Pet passes by. Oh, right. <laughs> people with long hair or... Did you have long hair? At times. <laughs> yeah, look, I... This maggot didn't listen to his own advice. I was definitely, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah I, it was just a hairy oh, fly. Yeah, unbelievable. The uh, the haircut I would have had would have been, as we used to say, pretty rude. That is a rude haircut. Oh, that's a rude one. Rude hair. I had many rude haircuts. That is rude. 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 Oh, oh, rude. We've got a rude nut over there. Can you, would you, is it only hair or can you say other stuff's rude? Like, oh, that's rude. Yeah, say anything's rude, but I just remember it being about haircuts a lot. Oh, that is a rude haircut, oh. mate. What were you thinking? <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful concept. Walk into the barber. Give us a rude one. <laughs> Make it as rude as you can. Oh, that's a shocker. All right, well, the 52 people are carted. Including Carton. Carton is carted. Oh, they just need to make sure they're overage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, how old are you? What? Uh, it doesn't matter. We kill babies here. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so that would <laughs> take you to the baby guillotine. Yeah. Did they have a different one? Oh, no, don't. How? I, I think I avoided it because of the jube thing. Oh, you, I avoided you... it being a real thing. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a horrible they're not thing cho- to think They're about. chopping babies' heads. Well, Luju, I must say, oh, wasn't actually a oh, baby at this time. Hell. She was like eight years old. By oh, thank time. God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I Fine, no worries. <laughs> Matt looks visibly <laughs> calm. That's a big jube, let me tell you. Eight-year-old jube. What, God? Still, still is, that's 100% jube. <laughs> I imagine they've got Just little kidding. jube arms, jube legs, still jube nappy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, still jubing. Still jubing after all these years. Oh, God. <laughs> so everyone's lining up to watch the public execution. What is, the hell? Yeah, it's gross stuff. The Vengeance, the woman known as The Vengeance... Notes her surprise that Madame Defarge is going to miss out on seeing Evermond killed. Oh, that's not like her. They don't know that she's secretly been <laughs> murdered herself. That's they, not she, like her. That's she, so funny. She's usually standing by knitting a little cross <laughs> through her scarf. I wonder why she does that. So Carton, still disguised as Darnay, and the young seamstress take no notice of the people dying before them. So they're basically head chopped off, next one steps up, head chopped off. Carton gets her to focus solely on him. They both seem calm and at peace, discussing the afterlife. The seamstress even comments that life will be easier for the poor after the revolution, despite the fact that she fell victim to it herself. A poor person. Right, yeah, so how did she fall victim? Someone probably, we don't know, someone probably just accused her wrongfully and now she's about to die. But that's one of the crazy things about the revolution is that she still believes in it. Right. Because that's how bad life is for these peasants. She's like, all right. At least it's going to be better for the future generation, even if I have to die unjustly. But also, the thing is, if you do believe in the afterlife, like it sounds they both do, you're about to go to paradise. Yeah, well, that's, pretty that's a lot better than what they've been through. Yeah. yeah. I'm, going to, oh, I'm going to everlasting paradise. Mm. I guess that's all right. Chop it. <laughs> Just a bit off the top, mate. Thanks. Give me the rudest haircut oh, you can. There's no ruder haircut than having your head chopped off. Oh, that's a bit rude, mate. Blood spurting out the neck. Jeez. Oh. That is a rude way to die. <laughs> so they share one kiss. This is Carton and this uh, young seamstress. And the woman steps up to the guillotine, the 23rd person to be beheaded that day. Again, he writes, 23 gone. Such a way with words. Carton is next and calmly walks up to die. He thinks of what his last words would be if we, he were to write them down. It's quite a long passage, but it's very uh, well written, so I'll read it out here. Mm-hmm. Well, this is only about half of it, but he says, I see Barsard and Cly, Defarge, the Vengeance, the Juryman, the Judge, long ranks of the new oppressors who have risen on the destruction of the old, perishing by this retributive instrument before it shall cease out of its present use. I see a beautiful city and a brilliant people rising from this abyss and in their struggles to be truly free, in their triumphs and defeats through long years to come, I see the evil of this time and the previous time of which this is the natural birth gradually making expiation for itself and wearing out. Basically, what will happen after the French Revolution yeah. is that eventually things will get a bit better. <laughs> which Dickens obviously knew from yeah, he was 100 years later. Writing, yeah. He goes on to say, I see the lives for which I lay down my life, peaceful, useful, prosperous and happy, and that England, which I shall see no more. I see her, Lucy, <laughs> with a child upon her bosom who bears my name. The I jube. S- <laughs> a new jube. <laughs> a little jube. <laughs> little Carton, Sydney Carton jube. I see her father, aged and bent, but otherwise restored, and faithful to all men in his healing office and at peace. 
I see the good old man so long their friend in 10 years' time, enriching them with all he has and passing tranquilly to his reward. Talking about uh, Jarvis Laurie there. And he goes on to say that he sees the couple that he saved lying on their deathbeds. So that's uh, Charles Darnay and Lucy together as old people, still remembering his sacrifice. And he's taking, he's got pride in that. Yeah. The final line of the book, remember, we started with the classic line, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. See how you rate this. As he is prepared to die, Sidney Carton's last thought is, it is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Oh, that's great. End of book. Oh. Wow. I love it. Yeah, this I, is a great. A, this is a great book. It's, that's a great, and because I, I think a satisfying end. I think I yeah. tease that that is quite a famous final line as well. It's not quite not as famous as the opening line, but as far as books go, for an ending, I think that it is a far far better thing that I do than I've ever known. It's a far far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. That's really nice. So good. There's like the Simpsons has never done it, but no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Harder to parody. Episode fifty-five. Um, I mean, season fifty. What are we up to? Hundred and three. We're in the thirties. Yeah. The seasons. It's too many. So many. Mm. But that that's that's how it all ends. Sidney Carton, who is quite a famous character in literature because he started out as like the the bad guy that you feel sorry for, as the one who comes good at the yes. end and really saves the day. Wow, this is great. Mm. What a cool book. See yeah. people I like assume. it. <laughs> yeah. What a what a great. Uh, I I can't guarantee the book was good, but. The way Dave told it, very oh. good story. I can tell you that you were, and you were both correct, Matt. He did live, and Cass, he did suffer. <laughs> Charles Darnay. <laughs> but yeah, I right. love a book where everyone wins. <laughs> but no, I, I think I guessed that he died and unjustly, and then I changed. Oh, it and then you changed, yeah. right? Sure, sure. I think right. I changed quite a few times. Yeah, you oh, sort of. You're like the mob. Yeah, classic mob. You put a few, few bets each way. Yeah, I'm flaky. <laughs> trying to back the winner. Always yeah, yeah. trying to back the winner. Chasing the losses. Yeah. But Anna, what do you think? What do you think of it overall? I think it's that is the nicest way it could have ended. And it's the that's the nicest last thought you could have as yeah. a person, really, to be like to genuinely think that you are doing the right thing and that things are about to get a lot better yes. for you and everybody else that you know. Yeah, and he's looking ahead and sort of because that's a way of, I guess, us knowing as readers what will happen. Because I assume that we assume that that's Dickens also telling us what will happen yeah. to the families. And that, yeah, he's he feels good that he's finally... Mm. Super, super presumptive to be like, and the girl I love, and she will never love me back, will have a son, and she'll name it after name me. Name it me, yeah. Well, I feel like she should. And then she'll be saying my name forever. <laughs> surely. Surely, I mean... It's the least she could do. <laughs> What's his name again? Simon. Sydney. Uh, Sydney. This <laughs> <laughs> is a Jesus, forgettable, isn't he? This is <laughs> I also loved upon uh, writing this out and revisiting. Uh, I didn't quite notice the line the first time where it said Charles Darnay was preparing to die. He wrote out the letter to the, the his wife, his dad, uh, her dad, but the line that he never once thought of Sydney Carton. Which I like the guy that's about to sacrifice yes. his life for him. He never once thought about him. Yeah, because there's no reason for him to have yeah, said why that. Why would I? I don't know. You know, but we're told like he never once thought about him. But there's also what there's no real reason. Why would he have been thinking of him? He wasn't very nice to him. And no, that's right. But it's just years had gone by, right, since he'd seen him. Oh, he had remained close with the family. Right. But oh yeah, because he he mm. was able to come and go as he yeah pleased. he became a, <laughs> a house. He got special permission to come and go. <laughs> yeah, a house. 
guest or something? Yeah, it was some term you had. Uh, you got, yeah, house pass or something. Key to the city, but ju- just a house. Just a key. Ceremony still. It's very special. I really enjoyed that very much. I was so nervous about it having a disappointing end after a great build-up. And what do you think? So you, we always score it out of five. I gave it four and a half out of five the first half. Cass gave it three and a half. Matt, you gave it four out of five. Are you sticking with that? No, I'm or bumping it at up. All? I'm going to give it four and a half. Four and a half. That was great. Nice one. Because the last two header I listened to of yours was the Wuthering, Wuthering Heights. Heights. And that was a real letdown finish, <laughs> I reckon. The second half uh, didn't, yeah, I don't know. It sort of looked I, like a I long agree. fade out or something. The first half was quite brilliant. Whereas this was hot action the whole way to the end. Oh, yeah. Sitting on the edge of my seat. Because we've talked at length. There was so much happening. in That was that book, the third. It probably is only about a third of the book. (laughs) (laughs) That's fascinating. (laughs) Book the first. (laughs) Write that down. Write that down. The the actual, the longest book in terms of page count is book the second. The first one's only about 60 pages. Right. The second one's about 200. And then it's only about, all that happened in about 130, 140 pages. But we were still able to talk about that. As much as the first two thirds of the yeah. book, just because so much stuff happens. It's a lot of action. Yeah, that's great. That's so good. What about you, Cass? I'm definitely also bumping my score up to four and a half because four and a half. Oh, we've never had people bump up so high. This is great. Yeah. Because what? What do you think? There were. It was satisfying endings. It was uh, the the whole story. Like it seemed to tie everything up really nicely. It wasn't. I mean, it, it was in a strange way. It was sort of a happy ending, whilst acknowledging that bad things were happening. It, it, it accepted the duality of the time. <laughs> People made the most out of what they got in life. You know, people tried their best. I think that's a good thing. People saw the positivity in what was happening, acknowledged the bad things, and wanting to change. But also, I never realized. Obviously, you don't. But the first two books set up a lot more dominoes than I realized. And so it's yeah. really cool in the third one that so many things I was like, ah, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that. So the the mystery boxes. What do we have? There was the package which turned out to be the letter uh-huh. from the doctor. Then there was the chloroform from the chemist. Mm-hmm. What was the other? What was the other one? We weren't. Oh, yep. and then the reveal that it was the doctor who the doc- was the third a, a, a accused his son, yeah. son-in-law. Yeah. Decades Even though we've earlier. done it decades earlier. There was the mystery revealed as to why the doctor had the mental breakdown when he oh, found out yes. the name and why he didn't want to tell Lucy. That's right. Um, but never why it was shoes. Never why it was shoes. Why not? Why was it shoes, Dave? Yeah. I, I was, wanna... there, was there subtext that you're been... keeping a secret from us? <laughs> I'm sorry. Why is it shoes? Was it? Yeah. No, nah, he's it... trying to fix his soul. I'll stick by that bad oh, yeah, <laughs> interpretation. Yeah, no, that's um, fantastic. Oh, the thing of them looking really similar to save his life once, he used it to save his life twice. Yes. Um, maybe alluding to doppelgangers all being guardian angels. Maybe we think Oh, that. wow. Because <laughs> oh. sometimes the, the doppelganger <laughs> thing is kind of feels a bit slack sometimes, but I don't know why it didn't feel Yeah, I would also in this. possibly, I guess because maybe he sort of, Charles Dickens was the first to do that kind of thing. A, right. lot, of the, yeah. a lot of stuff he was the first to to do so maybe recognizing archetypes for what they did not for yeah what not being like become. oh we've yeah. all we all we've all done that oh <laughs> yeah. what a cop out he he took his mask off oh but i it's... mean for for this story at, at least maybe it was your wonderful retelling 
but being like, don't we all look like the same dude? And everyone be like, oh my god. The jury was just the mob at, in the end of the book. Every any time there was more than three people in a room, they had one brain cell between them, it seemed. Lop up. That's what they'd say. They'd shorten it to lop up. <laughs> lop it. Next. Lop up. It's just easier. Next. Just easier. Lop it. Oh, you could just say next. 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 That's efficient. I mean, yeah. I'm glad they got away with it, but yeah, the family hanging around, it's nice to be there for support, but they must have known that it was all, they were, in the end, they were going to come for them. Imagine going home and sitting with your family and trying try to process everything that had happened, and then just sitting there being like, my choice caused a man to die. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, what's for dinner? I could have not answered that letter, and all that would have happened is more people would have lived. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a four and a half in the first half. Yeah. And I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with a four uh, and a half, which means we're all given uh, overall a four and a half out of five. But this might be our highest rating classic so far. Really? That's exciting. Between the three people. I'm glad oh, to cool. be a part of it. Yeah, I love positive energy. What do you call it? Gentle. Is this gentle energy? I reckon this is gentle energy. Oh, gen- I love the concept of gentle energy. And we did start by me telling you that some say this is the best selling novel of all time. So it should be good, right? Yeah. Yeah. It should be good. Ha- well, I. No, no, best-selling, just, it's not, no, no. You'd think... hope it's good. Best-selling is different because if you buy the book, you haven't read it yet. Dave, does that mean you think the Toyota Corolla is the best car in the world? Yeah, it's, well, you're it's, really going out to bat for Toyota should Corolla be good. here, it, And I think they are good. Yeah, no, I think they're That's probably, a good purchase in the price good. range. Try and find a better car. Try. <laughs> Try, my friend. Are they sponsors now? Well, maybe they'll jump on board. Yeah. Buy After that, a Toyota. Of... That's a palindrome. <gasps> Buy a Toyota is a palindrome. Oh, no, just a Toyota. Okay. <laughs> I was say, I'm like, where's that second B? <laughs> Buy a Toyota. <laughs> Buy a Toyota, yub. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Um, You can have that slogan for free, but pay us later. Yeah. For once, other things. Once you start moving units. Yeah. Once, yeah, once they start driving themselves out of the factory. Drive one over here. Start, yeah. Yeah. Let one drive Guess one a car. over the studio. Give Guess a, a car. Give a car. I think we deserve a car. Do we not deserve a car? Oh, so we don't deserve oh, a car now. Okay, okay, we Toyota. We give you marketing gold and no car do you hold you get, for us. You make cars every day and you can't give one to us? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've done something rare for you. Buy a Toyota, yub. Yeah, yub. <laughs> That's fun. So I'm just on carsales.com and I've just bought us three Toyotas. <laughs> yes. Ah! Wait, we weren't talking to you. We were talking to Toyota. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You. Delete payment. Oh, no. I've just spent 90 grand. <laughs> Delete payment. Delete payment. Oh, no. Does Dave's made a mistake. <laughs> credit cards have all been deleted. Oh, no. I've deleted all the credit cards. <laughs> no, well, they've deleted the cars. That's not what I meant to do. Wait, deleted credit cards wouldn't be too bad because then the debt goes. <gasps> Can you delete? Can you delete card? the credit cards? <laughs> yeah, do it right now. Thank you. I mean, everyone starts off back at a net zero, or just the money you literally already have. Yeah. But no one's got debt. I reckon that's a. That's fair. Nah, let's not do it. I'm too loyal to the bank. Oh, you do have that beautiful bank loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have. Yeah, I got to change banks. Oh, I I've, I changed banks twice recently. Great. I have no bank feel. loyalty. I've been with one bank my whole life. Me too, and I feel like a sucker. I am a sucker. I, look, well, I, that ends today. <laughs> you and me after this, let's yeah. pull our banks. Hey, yeah. look, I can recommend some banks to you after. Please Thank do. You. 
After we all buy a Toyota. <laughs> I'm really going to need a good bank after this. <laughs> well, we've had some fun here tonight talking about a tale of two cities, but there's only one thing left to do, and that is thank some people that support this show on Patreon by reading out their favourite books. If people want to cheer, uh, support the book chook, they can do so at uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash pod. Uh, and it's slash do go on pod because uh, this is a spin-off of Matt and I. Uh, we have another show called Do Go On. We talk about a subject from history. Recent episodes, what have we talked about? Last week we talked about a man, an Italian man, who became a prisoner of war in Africa and escaped to climb a mountain. And it is as wild as and that's it the only reason he escaped was to climb. It was yeah. crazy. It's a that's a, a wild rollicking time. Matt also does a, another spin-off podcast that's also supported by the Patreon called Prime Mates. Prime Mates, yes. Cass has been on a few recent episodes. One about the Mandalorian. One about community. Yes. And you're going to come back and do it. We've got so many in the oh, pipeline. Oh, we've got a Rodney a, Dangerfield film. We've got two lined up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's fun. It's a bit of dumb fun. Not like this. Smart fun that we're having here. Is... Thank you for saying what it is. And then uh, this week's also the last episode of season one of Listen Now, which is my podcast. I've been hey. with my cousin about music. The first season was about Cold Chisel, of who I'm a top fan. Oh, claim the badge. <laughs> claim the badge because if you don't, badge. they'll give it to someone else. What? I'll swoop in. <laughs> I'll start liking all their posts. I'll like every Double post. like. The last 12 years of posts, I'll like them all. <laughs> wonder how quickly you can get that badge. I'm going to find You're out a... tonight. <laughs> You should. There's got to be a page that is just pie or something. Yeah, become a top fan of pie. I would love that. Yeah. All right, that's my new mission, guys. I'm going to try and do that. But people support the show on Patreon. They get bonus episodes of Do Go On. You call all sorts them your, of other stuff. Uh, you're the book chook. Are your listeners big chicks? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, certainly, hang on. certainly not book sorts. They're like. Wh- where do see. chickens live? I'm a big chick. Coop. Oh. Okay, no, we can work with this. <laughs> Hen house. My coop group. Hen house. Oh, your coop group. Um, Pen hens. Pen hens, get in the coop group. Let's do this. <laughs> well, how about your your mind's race while I uh, read out three people's Oh, you think this is my mind race? Yeah. Oh, no. That was it. We were like, Pen hen, done. Done. <laughs> we produce a masterpiece. We go to bed. <laughs> this is the cycle of a day. Every day we wake up, we make art. <laughs> We take a hard-earned rest. We wake up and we do it again. Yes. We have already given you book chook and book looks. So. Book chook is so good and I cannot wait to read it out to You're my two new chicken. guests next week who are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, I am the book chook. And uh, today my guests are, they're going to be like, what the hey, hell? Hey, hey, when they get a bit nervous, just be like, hey, get under my wing. <laughs> yeah. Come oh, on. I will take anyone under my wing. <sighs> you can hatch a new plan. Oh, yeah. Now, that's what they should be some sort of egg things. Yeah. They're your little hatchlings. Yeah. Like yeah. Yoki Everything's coming sunny side up. <laughs> oh no! That's my kids! <laughs> uh, Tale of Two Cities, uh, part two. This uh, week I've written down three people's beautiful names. Oh, I want to hear beautiful names. Favorite beautiful books. There's no way they've got more beautiful names than Greg Cruncher. Jerry Cruncher? Jared Cruncher. Well, how about this? T. Physicus. Okay. 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 That, that that's is... a pretty strong oh, wow. contender. Not sure what the T stands for, but T. Physicus writes in, best book, Candida by Voltaire. Read it every year. Very oh, quotable. Wow. That's a lot of every... Good on you, T. A good 90% of words in that were excellent. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Candida by Voltaire. That's actually on my list. 
to do on the show. So, T Fazekas, maybe we can share your passion. Thanks so much for uh, supporting the show. Also, Nathaniel Gingrich. Oh, okay. These are great names. Wow, okay. So... Holy shit, Nathaniel Gingrich. Definitely a Harry Potter character. Oh, my gosh. Nathaniel. (laughs) Nathaniel. Mr. Gingrich. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing in my swamp? I don't know. <laughs> Every time I try and quote films, I always just—it's all—it's all Shrek. <laughs> it um, is, it's all Shrek. It's all coming up Shrek here today. Well, the great man Nathaniel Gingrich writes. My favorite book is *The Phantom Tollbooth*. It has the perfect mix of whimsy, wordplay, and lessons. My favorite being, "quote It's all in how you look at things." Yeah. Wow. Nice. That's where that comes from. I don't. I'm, maybe the Phantom Tollbooth. There you go. That's a hot tip from Nathaniel Gingrich there. That's a uh, 1961 fantasy adventure novel for children written by Norton Juster. Thank you so much for uh, the hot tip, Nathaniel Gingrich. And finally, I would like to thank Rick Zhao. Holy shit. How is it three for three? I don't know how we do it. Rick Zhao. That's like a superhero name. No, cooler. Yeah. Not a superhero. Superhero... Too weighed down by th- expectation. Rick Zow tells a, you what you he's need. He's a magician or yep. a business magician. Business or bus- magician. Business. Business magician. Magician wrestler. Oh, yeah. yeah, I reckon he's a business wrestler magician. Yep, he's a business magician. He does wrestling on the side just yep. to blow off steam. And Not then wrestler. He like he goes pro. Yeah. Love his work. Oh, I love his work too. And uh, Rick Sow's a reader. Let me tell you that. Oh, yeah. oh he does it all. Rick Sow writes uh, with a suggestion to me. Dave, hope you do some Agatha Christie soon. They're so short that you can probably do multiples in a single episode. Personally, Death in the Air is one of my favourites from Christie, and it's highly underrated. I seem I haven't read that one, but I seem to remember the Poirot episode. Oh, and it was good. Okay, <laughs> person dies mysteriously in the air, as the book implies, the title implies there. And guess who happens to be on board? A certain Hercule Poirot Whoa. steps in to solve the murder. 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 Book him. Taggart. Taggart. Murder. Ah. Have you ever seen Taggart, the Scottish uh, crime show? No. That's how they... They don't talk murder. like that. But murder. Murder. It's always a murder. In, uh, and even the, the main character, I mean, I think the actor, even Taggart died, so they just kept going without the main character. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much to Rick Zow, Nathaniel Gingrich, and uh, T. Fazekas. If you want to join that list of legendary names, and only if you have a good name, can I just say, sign up at <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> slash pod. No, even if you're a John Smith... Jane Smith, we want to hear from you if you want to support the show. We do appreciate that. But that brings us to the end of the episode. Cass, Matt, what a time we've had. Thank you so much for giving up two Sunday nights of your time to hang out with me. We are good pleasure. people. We are very good you people. You are lovely people. <laughs> you came back. You, you see something, you have to see it through, and I appreciate that. And yeah. I'm glad that the story didn't let you down, obviously, four, really, four yeah. and a half out of five. So stoked yeah. with it. So great. So great that um, the Carter man, I mean, look... I'm glad he did something. <laughs> he needs to life. do something. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. He achieved th- a goal, you know? Oh, so good. I loved everything. I love having that I love that he wrote in a good reason for the wine shop owner to be a bit evil. Uh, yeah, I think it was just all as far as I can think, it was all pretty neat and nice and it all made sense and Yeah. 
And that's all I want from a book. Makes sense. You get four and a half stars. <laughs> oh, this made sense. <laughs> I followed it. I followed it. Hey, should we tell people that they can come see us in a couple of nights at Howler? Yes, that's right. Out? So this is uh, coming out on a Tuesday. And if you listen to it when it comes out uh, this Thursday, you can come and see all of us as part of a fantastic fundraising show for Wildlife Victoria at Howler. This uh, Thursday, February the 20th, if you are in town... Please come on down. You get to see a live episode of Plumbing the Death Star. Yes, you do. One of our favourite pods. And then uh, after that, we're going to split off into teams. A team made up of Sans Pants radio uh, members and also and members. of Bookchooks. And then uh, the other book, the Bookchooks, <laughs> okay, the Planet Broadcasting team, fighting off in a quiz uh, devised by myself and Jackson Bailey from Sans Pants. We've been working together on it and it's going to be a lot of fun. So you get to see a show that we'll probably never do anywhere else and uh, at the same time support charity. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think that should be fun. It's such a nice night. I'm really excited. I genuinely am. Me too. It's going to be so fun. Hey, can I plug my comedy festival show, Dave? Yes, plug anything you would like now, please. If people want to come and see me do stand-up comedy, I'm doing it in Brisbane, um, I think 10th to the 15th of March, then Melbourne after that for a month, Melbourne Comedy Festival, then Sydney Comedy Festival, then hopefully Edinburgh. And the details for all of that will be at mattstewartcomedy.com. And the show's called Monkey House. And it should just be a real fun time. Yes. Well, no one will have their arms ripped off by hordes of angry monkeys. or Almost chimps. guaranteed. Okay, almost guaranteed. You've got to put that asterisk I said it almost too loud. <laughs> almost guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, Cass, we can hear you on many weekly podcasts. Yes, yes. If you go to sanspantsradio.com, um, I'm on D&D is for Nerds, Why Am I Sad, and Shut Up a Second. And occasionally, the old thumb cramps or plumbing the Death Star. Yeah, you're prolific. <laughs> Fingers in so many pies. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious well, hands. Well, Dave's is pricked up there. Oh, pies. Pies. Oh. I'm a top fan, top fan, top, top fan. Top fan, top fan. I'm like, 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 like. I like everyone else's comments. Does that help? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, would it? Oh. oh, surely. Top surely. fan of other people's fandom. I wonder how they rank a top fandedness. Mm, algorithms. Well, I mean, we would know. Do you reckon if I like every post and also just commented cool on yeah. every post? Cool. <laughs> I just set up a, a bot that does it for you. Yeah. You'd be yeah. a top bot fan. <laughs> every every single pie, pie post just says hot pie. <laughs> hot pie. Hot pie. Cool. <laughs> Oh, that does bring us to the end of the episode. If you would like to suggest a book that I uh, take on, I actually haven't picked the next the next one coming up. I've got to get on it. You can uh, do so by a link in the description of this episode. You click there, you tell me why I should do it, and then I will thank you for telling me to do it. Have you done The Grapes of Wrath? No, but I've, I got bought a copy for a dollar from a bookshop. Because I, I don't know what it means, but I want to know, and I don't want to find out myself. Ah. <laughs> well, that would be the third John Steinbeck I've done. Oh, yeah. He's also the Mice and Men. Oh, Mice and Men, and right. also I did Cannery I Road. loved that episode. That was uh, one of my favourites to listen to. Yeah, I I th- but the, uh, out of all the books I've done so far, I think of Mice and Men has been my favourite, so I would like to do more John Steinbeck. That was with Kappa and Mike, and Mike Goldstein. Goldstein. That was a real fun episode. Loved that a lot. Well, if you'd like me to, to uh, if you'd like to agree with Matt and suggest I do it, you can uh, click the link or just tell me anything you'd like me to do. Book, play. <laughs> Novel. I'm, I haven't done any... Comic book? A lot of people do suggest comic books. If it's an older classic one, I would consider it. Yeah. Why the, hell, why the heck not? Yeah, you that could be fun. Umbrella Academy. <laughs> yeah, instant classic. Umbrella Academy. 
Should, yeah, how old is cla- old and classic? Yeah, early 2010s classic? No, early, late 2000s. Oh. What are the, the Watchmen is something that people say is one of the big classics? Oh, it? yeah, that was 2000s, That seems early pretty 2000s. old. Oh, Usually, oh. I must say, I don't think I've done anything pre-1960 at this stage. Okay. There's got it. The comics like the original Batman. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, you should, that'd be fun. Uh, I imagine that'll make some people annoyed. Oh, this show's about books, man, and comics aren't real books. Um, define book. <laughs> you literally can't do it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go off and try and do that. Um, <laughs> Bookcheatpod at gmail.com is also the email. And, uh, yeah, until next week, this, is the, out. this is the book chook uh, signing <laughs> out here. And as I, I'll say, at the end of every episode, I say, thanks for listening and books forever. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.